Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Rick Day with me. For over 25 years, Rick has been growing, downsizing, restructuring, and ultimately selling his business. Even though he sold his business of $25 million, he is uh, very much involved today with businesses. Rick also blogs and advises entrepreneurs at businessbyday.com. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for being here uh, today, Rick. I really appreciate it. Of course. Before we, we get into anything else, I want to talk about... Your first business venture. What was what was the, your first experience being an entrepreneur? Well, it's funny. It was not my telecom business. Um, I, I had uh, served three years in the Navy uh, and got out of the Navy here in San Diego, and I decided to uh, put you know put myself through college and finish college afterwards. So I was you know an enlisted guy and. Um, so I ended up working at one place and it was redundant work and and I had a buddy that I met in one of my classes and he was detailing cars and I didn't know much about that business at the time I was 22 um and so I asked him to teach me and then I went and found some clients uh so he taught me I provided him with a couple of days of labor uh, he taught me the business, showed me where to get my supplies, and then I started uh, just kind of knocking on doors and telling some friends that I was in the auto detailing business. And so that business actually got me most of the way through college, uh, great uh, flexible hours, met some really great people who drive nice cars, which I like, and then I ended up selling that business to another student. So uh, thank you for your service. I didn't want to interrupt you, but uh, thank you for your service. And um, what was that first business experience like? Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they look at the Facebooks and the WhatsApps of the world, you know, billion dollar exit or sale or, you know, these these unbelievable businesses. But, you know, starting a business like this, when you do everything from actually doing the work and the marketing your business and, you know, everything from the nitty gritty to, uh, you know, to just just running it, running it daily. What do you think, why do you think it's important to have a business like that or have, have that kind of experience? Well, I, I think the, the first and the biggest step that I had to get over, George, was the, um, uh, you know, just the fear of what if this doesn't work? And, you know, um, I, you know, I had rented a room for my grandmother at the time. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm living in her house and I'm talking with her a little bit uh, about this and I'm going to college. And I said, you know, I, I really, I think I can do this, but you know, what happens if it doesn't work? What happens if nobody wants to, to do their cars and maintain their cars for them? And she said, why don't you give it a try? Because you could always go get another job if you want to. And she really encouraged me, but taking that leap was the most difficult thing. Um, and then I just sort of, you know, my, my degree that I was pursuing was in, is in finance, or my degree's in finance now. And, and so uh, I knew that you had to have the basic operations of the business. Somebody has to do the marketing and sales, and somebody then has to perform the work or provide the service or the product. And then somebody has to do the administration and the books, and you got to pay your taxes and do your banking. And so I had to do all of that myself. So then you decided to sell that business. Uh, so how long did you run that business and why did you decide to sell? Oh, good question. Uh, so I ran it for about uh, two and a half years and uh, I actually ended up uh, picking up an account uh, from so, so one of my bankers uh, was a girl whose boyfriend worked at this computer company. 
And so I went down to the computer company and I said, hey, I would love to come and detail your cars. They had, you know, really nice like a Ferrari. They had some Porsches. They had a Corvette, a Toyota Supra. Uh, one guy had a Lamborghini. Um, and it was really cool. So they hired me and I was detailing their cars and we got to talking and they said, well, what are you going to do when you get finished with school? And I said, well, I'm getting my degree in finance and I love people and talking to people. So maybe I'll go and be a stockbroker or something like that. And they, after some discussions, they said, well, why don't you come and sell these computer systems with us? We'll train you. If you like sales and you're good with numbers, we can help you with that. And so it was really kind of a story of where just taking that initial leap into one business led to opportunities in another business. So they hired me. And uh, I had a buddy of mine at, at school and I said, uh, hey, I'm going to you know, have to turn over my business. You know, would you be interested in taking it over and maybe we can work it out where you can buy it from me? And he said yes. So then in uh, 92, after getting out of the Navy, uh, you were still putting yourself through college and you founded Daycom System. So um, did you go right after this job selling telecom uh, to start this business or w what was actually the reason to strike out on your own? Oh, well, okay, so after the detailing business, then I went to work for the, the company that I just mentioned with all the nice cars, and I started selling uh, the uh, IBM uh, mid-range computer systems and equipment, and that was really, um, uh, that lasted about three years. It was a straight commission job, so you really kind of ended up working for yourself. There was no salary, there was no safety net, but I was comfortable with that at that point. And so I had some success there, and that company, um, this was uh, 87, so I got out of the Navy in 85. Uh, so in 1987, then I went to work for this other company, worked there for a couple of years, and they ended up going out of business because they literally grew too fast, and they did not have enough funding and enough money to purchase the equipment to fill the orders. That's how fast they were growing. And then so I ended up working for another company in a similar situation, and I didn't like the way they were doing things. And uh, so this was this was 91, 92. And so then in 1992, I finally decided, you know, I think I can compete in this industry. I think I, I know enough people. Um, I, I know enough of the tricks of the trade. I've got a right connection. So if I can just put together a little bit of money, I can start my own business. And that's how Daycom started in 1992. Do you... Is this something that you recommend for people that, you know, maybe they have a job now, but they want to start a business to try to get a job with a business um, to kind of learn how, you know, the ins and outs instead of taking, because that way it's almost like somebody's paying you to learn um, instead of just trying to strike out on your own and get into something that you don't know that much about. Yeah, I, I think that's great, and I think that's where most opportunities really present themselves. Um, I think if if someone has an interest in a particular industry and they know nothing about it, they absolutely should be willing to go to work in that industry for a period of time to learn as much as they can, to see how it works. And then if they still want to, I mean, they might decide, you know, this industry is too complicated or it requires too much money for me to operate, um, so I'm just going to enjoy my employment here. But there will be those entrepreneurs that say, you know what, I see how this works. I think I can do it better. I think I can do it faster uh, or in a different way or with a different spin. And I think that's a great way to start a business. So can you talk about some of the early challenges of growing Daycom? I'm very interested 
uh, about the first first one to two years in business because that's when a lot of businesses fail. So maybe you can talk about some of some of the greatest challenges, especially like I said during the first couple of years in business. Uh, yeah, sure. So I started, um, you know, I, I knew that I didn't have a lot of money to start the business. And so I knew that uh, I needed to uh, keep my uh, overhead low and uh, I had to, you know, really watch my money. So I rented a, a just a cheap office and uh, kept the overhead as low as I could. And I just concentrated most of my efforts on sales during the day. And then at night, I would do my invoicing because I knew that it wasn't productive for me to do that during the day. So I really tried to maximize my sales and marketing time during the day. Um, and I tried to divide So how my were you selling? Up. Were you cold calling or what, what was your sales, sales strategy in the beginning? Um, at that time, yeah, it was all over the phone. And, and you got to remember, this is 1992. So I did have a PC but, and, and I had a fax machine, but there was really email was just coming in and the web was just getting started. And so a lot of our business was done over the phone and over the fax. And how difficult was it to get those first sales? Well, I had had some customer relationships, you know, when we talked earlier about people working for a particular company and then striking off on their own. Um, oftentimes what happens is when you're working at a particular company, especially in a sales position, you'll end up getting to know some customers. And so when you strike out on your own, you can call those customers again and say, hey, listen, I'm striking out on my own. You know, you had a good relationship with the company where we were before. If you'd like to see what I can do for you or how I how I'm changing the business and doing it in a different way, then I'd be happy to talk with you about you know how I might be able to do business. So um, it was cold calling, it was referrals, it was a couple of customers that decided to to give me a shot at my new company. Okay, so it was uh, so so sales sounds like wasn't a, a big big challenge uh, in the very beginning, was it? Well, I, I think sales is always a big challenge for any business, and it was really where I spent the majority of my time. Uh, but like I said, I did have a couple of customers that would buy, and I kept my overhead low, and mm -hmm. uh, just tried to be really efficient about my time and and make sure that I was doing the right things at the right time during the day. And you mentioned uh, one of the companies that you worked with uh, grew so fast they just were unable to finance uh, their own own success, so to speak. So, what did you do in your business to be able to finance, um, you know, just just your growth? Well, it's interesting. I had just a little bit of savings. Um, uh, but I mean, like I only had maybe $10,000 in savings and, you know, that's, it might seem like a lot of money to some people, but you know, when you're buying and selling computer and telecom equipment and you have to buy it from your vendor and pay cash for it now and then ship it to your customer and invoice them net 30, uh, and they're going to pay you in 30 days per the contract. And really the check takes, you know, 45 days to 60 days, which is one of the things you learn very quickly is they like to, they like to use your money as long as they can. Um, you know, I ran out of money very quickly. So like most businesses, you know, the first place that you go is family and friends to see if they can loan you some money. Uh, and so I talked to my grandmother who had been very supportive and she watched me progress, you know, over several years. And I said, here's the business, here's what I'm doing. You know, I've been doing it for a couple of years. And so I ended up borrowing some money from her. And then every single dollar that I had, I rolled back into the company until I had enough cash that I thought, you know, that I can operate. And then I paid, you know, paid my grandmother back too. 
So, you know, it sounds to me that you, you really did things right in the beginning. What do you think are some of the mistakes people make uh, during the first couple of years being in business? Well, one of the mistakes, and maybe this is just a matter of opinion, but one of the mistakes is that people, I think, project when they start off in sales or they start off in their business, they, they project that sales are going to grow much faster than they really will. And when you do that, you tend to be very optimistic about your sales, very optimistic about your profits, and sometimes you take on too much overhead, and sometimes you don't have enough financing to really last uh, through some very lean times. So I always kind of tell people to look at their at their growth forecast and their sales forecast and cut it in half and see what would happen then. Okay. I've heard you say that systems were very important for your success. Can you give us some examples of systems that you have created in your business? Of course, yeah. So when you look at, um, you know, the book that really got me going on that was Michael Gerber, uh, The E-Myth Revisited. And uh, he talks about, you know, how you, a business owner in the early stages wears so many hats. You've got the sales and marketing hat, the production hat, the accounting hat, you know, everything, right? And so then as you start to bring people into the business, you you're hiring people to take over a particular area and so you need to be able to say okay I'm taking this hat off and I'm giving it to you and I want let's so let's talk about how I like to do that and how my customers expect that done and you write your procedures on that particular uh, area or on that particular hat if you will uh, and then that person can take off and they can improve on it and they can grow but as soon as you hire somebody, you have to, I think you have to start creating the systems whereby they can be successful and whereby they can do business the way you want it done. Okay. Now, uh, you grew Daycom systems to over $26 million in, in, in revenue with over 60 people. Uh, but then in the early 2000s, the dot-com bubble burst. So, I mean, you know, we know the story. A lot of companies went out of business. It was just a rough time uh, for business. So what, what did you have to do to adjust to such a shock? And what, what helped you stay in business at that point? Yeah, I got to tell you, that was one of the toughest periods in my career. Um, you know, we were going really, really well. We were 26 million. We're 60 people. And then the dot-com bubble burst and, and people stopped buying these big companies that I was servicing like Cisco and Intel and, and uh, Geico and, and The Gap. Uh, so many of these big companies started, they really slowed down on their technology buying. And so my revenues dropped from $26 million to $20 million in one year, which is like 25%. And I lost, uh, I think I lost almost a half a million dollars that year. And that was really, really painful. And I, you know, as a young CEO who had only experienced growth and success after 10 years, this was really a slap in the face and a reality check for me. And I really had to, you know, just buckle down and, and do the work and figuring out, you know, where I could cut expenses. And that was when we got into, you know, the first time I ever had to lay anybody off. And it was it was terrible. It was very emotional. It was very scary. Uh, I was losing money. I wasn't sleeping at night. And, uh, you know, but uh, we ended up doing it. And then the next year, we went from 20 million to 15. So the, the sales continued to slow down. Uh, but I started looking more at 
the the prospect pipeline, the forward-looking indicators, and that was one of the things that I did was put in put in place some things where I could really look forward and project what the revenues were going to do, and I could make changes sooner, and that really helped a lot. Okay, so you think the companies that went out of business were unable to adjust or refuse to look at reality? Um, what do you think is is you know some of the biggest reasons uh, some companies just could, can't survive, and, and it's true even today. I mean, this economy is still not a good economy that we're living through now, uh, although it's not as bad as it was a few years ago. So why do you think uh, some companies are just not able to hack it? Well, it's certainly – you're right about today's economy. It certainly is not an easy economy, and I think you have to be on your toes and you have to be really alert and really paying attention to everything and just on edge. It's it's hyper-competitive if you're going to succeed in today's uh, economy. But I, I think that the reason to answer your question a lot of people failed was that um, they would stick their head in the sand and they would say, well – you know, uh, it's going to get better next year. It can't possibly be this bad. And they, they don't react. They don't do the hard things that they need to do, like lay off their friends that are working there or, you know, cut their, maybe sell their car, their expensive car, or return it, you know, return it on the lease or downsize their office building because they get so much ego involved or they get themselves in over their head debt wise. So I really encourage that, you know, that growth especially in fixed expenses and long-term leases and things like that. Keep that stuff low because you never know when you need to ratchet back. And if you're committed uh, for a long term for big dollars, you're going to be in trouble. So then in uh, in, by by 2009, a business was, was, uh, you know, good, right? Because Daycom System was acquired. Uh, Back uh, at that point, you had 25 million in revenues. So how did that uh, that exit impact your life, selling selling your business, basically? Well, it was interesting because after the dot-com bubble burst, um, we really had to go, and, and I say we because I had a really good management team at that time that, that I surrounded myself with, and we really had to look at the business and retool the business. And so the you're correct, at, at the $25 million and, and 50 or so, 55 employees when we sold, it, but it was a much it was a much different business when I sold than it was when I began, and that's another important lesson for people: is you have to continue to morph your business and change in response to what your customers want. So then, after I sold the business, um, you know, I had a, a bunch of money that came in. I began to invest, uh, and uh, then I volunteered at uh, Connect here in San Diego to be a volunteer mentor and, and entrepreneur in residence, so I could help. Uh, other small businesses grow, and I invested in uh, a sailboat and, and powerboat dealership that I that I'm now part of, and so just traveled a lot and had some fun and and uh, did my earnout for a couple years. Okay, so so today you're you're involved. You you mentioned this uh, dealership, uh, sailboat dealership. So you're a partner in that business, right? Yeah, that's right. It's it's really fun. Um, you know, one of the guy when I bought myself a new sailboat in 2007, I became friends with. The guy that that bought me the or that that sold me the boat, and then in '08 and '09 we had that very difficult financial crash, and the company that he was working for went out of business right about the time that I was selling my business. So again, it's one of those fortunate situations where when you're doing something, sometimes the timing just works out, and you see another opportunity. And so he told me that he had a great relationship with Beneteau, uh, the French uh, maker, the largest yacht builder in the world. 
and that uh, he could become the dealer here in San Diego if I would, and he asked me if I would help him start it, if I could help him get the financing together, and if I would help him run the business and operations. And so we did that, and we'll be five years old in September and, and doing great. So how is this new business uh, is different from your, your Daycom system business in terms of what are you learning now about business? How, how has the business environment changed with this recession? Um, can you talk about how, how, how you had to adjust, basically? Sure. Well, I, I think the first thing I would say uh, is, is how surprised I am that it's very similar to my past business. If you, if you understand that in my last business, we would consult with the customer, we would provide the telecom equipment and the software, we would install it and provide the services, we would take care of the customer in the long term, and then offer them upgrades when they wanted to upgrade their business systems. Um, you could say the same thing about boats, right? So we consult with the customer, we provide a boat. We provide our services, we help them maintain it, and then when they're ready for something different, we take their old boat back, we can provide and sell them a new boat. So in that way, it's very similar. The big differences are that this is uh, marketing to consumers, um, so there's a lot of social media involved. Uh, so business-to-business sales are much different than business-to-consumer, and it's, big, it's been a big learning curve for me, uh, especially around the social media. But also... Um, what we've learned is that, you know, the boating business is a lifestyle business. And so you're providing people with those dreams and, and answers to those dreams of sitting on a boat in a harbor or watching the kids swim or having a cocktail with friends. And so not only do we provide the boats and the services, but we also schedule a lot of social activities and we give people a reason to use their boats and that community develops. So the community development part has been a big learning curve for me. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier that uh you know we're we're living in a hyper competitive environment right now. So what what advice do you have for entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level? What do, what do we have to do today in this kind of environment to to really just stand apart, stand out from the competition? Well, I think anybody who's had the passion and the and, and the guts to start their own business um, that's the first step is you've got to have that courage. Um, I think maybe a second point would be that you have to stay connected with your customers and ask your customers what they see coming and things that they see in their future so that you can move there with them and offer them the services and products that they will need in the future. Um, I think you have to continue to look at technologies and how new technologies can benefit you, such as social media today and, and all of the free marketing. And I mean, it's essentially, a, you know, a free referral system out there. Uh, so those are those are key things. And then just be committed to learning, learning more about your product, learning more about services that you can provide and learning more about your customers and their needs. So you had a successful exit um, when you sold your, your business. I want to ask you about why so many businesses are unsellable and what, what can we do to prepare our business for, for sale? Well, that's a great question, and I think a couple things are key. One is it, it goes back to why I'm such a believer in systems. My opinion is if you want a business that's saleable, you have to create and you have to visualize a money-making machine. And so ultimately, it becomes your vision, your values, um, the, the product and customers that you want to serve, but you've got to put those systems in place and you've got to get everybody 
the, the right the right uh, operation systems, the right compensation systems, so that people you know people's compensation is aligned with what they're supposed to do in the business. And ultimately, you've got to get it to a place where you can step out of the business and the business runs itself. Okay. That's a big key. And I think a lot of businesses don't sell because if you take the founder away, if the, the business can't function without that person. And it's really difficult to take a person from the outside and put them in there and you've got personality conflicts and you've got learning curve and, and those businesses are hard to sell. So what do you think? So it, it comes back to, to uh, creating systems, right? So try to think about systems and try to create systems from as early as you can. Yeah, yeah. And hire the best people that you can afford, right? And, and, and you're not going to create all these systems by yourself, right? You want to help. You, you want to hire great people and they can help you create these systems. But ultimately, you've got to work yourself to where you can walk away from your business for 30 days like I did back in 2007 when I did a, uh, an Atlantic crossing on a sailboat, I walked away from my business for 30 days and they didn't miss a beat. It just kept going. Wow. Um, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? I would say worrying, worrying about the future, worrying about what might happen if things go wrong. And then I would say the second time waster would be just the, it, when you start off on your path and you start a company or, you, or you're pursuing your dream, that attracts a lot of people. And you, you make a lot of noise, if you will, or you make, if you're, in, if you're a boat, you know, you're kicking off a big wake and people are attracted to that and they want you to, they want to join you. They want your advice. They want you to sell their product for them. Uh, and so, you know, you get so many distractions that come at you. You really have to stay focused and say no to a lot of things. If, if someone came to you, maybe somebody in your family or a good friend that, currently had a job and, and you know they saw your success as an entrepreneur and they they say you know uh rick i want to become uh, a successful entrepreneur what would be the first thing that you would teach that person the first thing that i would teach that person would be look at yourself and what you can offer and then find a problem to solve Find somebody's problem. Maybe it's your own problem. Maybe you hate the way your dry cleaner works, or maybe you hate having to wait in line for a particular service. And so solve a problem and then ask around. So you really have to, I think, assess the market. How big is the market? How much, how strong is the need for the service or the solution that I would like to offer? And then do my skill sets fit that ability to, to, to fill that need or to, to offer that solution? And if you get those two things, then the rest of the things will fall into place. So you had a lot of success in business, but I'm sure you have made some mistakes. So perhaps you could give us uh, an example of a, of a really good learning experience or a mistake. Uh, I don't like to call it mistake, but you know, I, maybe learning experience is better for our audience that you could share with us. Yeah, no, I think I think I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, one of my favorite authors, Tom Hopkins, uh, and this is early days of sales back in the late 80s, but he said something along the lines of, I never see failure as failure, only an opportunity to improve my presentation, right? So you can use that same thing in, in many areas. But um, I would say big failures that, and mistakes that I made were at Daycom. When we were coming out of that dot-com bubble, 
Um, you know, I created services for my business and kind of morphed the business. We talked about that. But I also tried to uh, add on another product line. In fact, I tried to add on two new product lines because I thought I would diversify. And uh, I was overwhelmed by the technical training. The uh, the the my I was overwhelmed, frankly, by my people's resistance to learning something new. They would always go back to their comfort zone. So even though we had product A, if I told them I want you to offer product B and C, they would always gravitate towards going back to product A because that's where they were comfortable. And I really underestimated how powerful that was and lost a lot of money trying to do that. Wow. So so today, uh, tell me a little bit about business by day. How does what is that business? Um, and you know what? What are you there? Um, how do you help businesses? Well, great, thank you. Um, so w- I told you that when I sold my company, I invested in um, South Coast Yachts and and uh, helping them. And I invested in a couple other small businesses. One didn't work, and a couple more did. Uh, but in my volunteer time at Connect uh, here in San Diego, one of the things that really occurred to me was. Um, you know, all of these companies, these young companies that we were seeing coming through the Connect system, you know, they had great products, they had great services, but they were all asking the same questions. You know, they've, they've, they've been inspired to start their own business, but how do they manage sales and marketing? How do they do products? How do they protect their intellectual property? How do they finance their business? And I thought, you know, they can't really, they don't have enough money to afford a full-time consultant, but if I could somehow package these answers and provide this advice and make it available at a lower cost, then my only answer is I've got to be, I've got to have the scalability. And so that's when starting the blog occurred to me, and then I'm just getting ready in July to launch my first coaching class, and it'll be for nine people where I can say, okay, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about the problems that we need to solve, but we'll do it in a classroom environment that will also be interactive, and then uh, you know it'll be more affordable for them, but they'll still get great advice. Well, that's great. I appreciate you uh, coming on today to share your story, uh, Rick. Where can people find out more about uh, Business by Day or about you or connect with you, perhaps? Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, the, the, bus- the website is businessbyday.com, just like it sounds. My last name is D-A-Y, so businessbyday.com. I have uh, also a podcast that is called by the same name, and also it's, uh, it's named the Five Minutes to a Performance Business Podcast. Uh, so that's being picked up in I don't know 40 countries now, which is really fun and exciting. And then my email address is rick at businessbyday.com. Well, Rick, thank you very much. Uh, everyone out there, be sure to check him out at businessbyday.com. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, too. I enjoyed talking with you.